coming to Hilltop. I love you guys. It's a joy to be here. I know you do. <laughs> I feel the love. It's a joy to be here, and it's funny. I'll say to Bethany, I'll kid with her a little bit. I'll say, hmm, I'm called to the down and out as you're called to the up and out as. Hmm, you want to trade? <laughs> Not so much. I am thrilled to be doing what I'm doing. I can't imagine doing anything else with my life. And um, God used the homeless to break my heart. And I used to go to bed at night crying, Why? how come I have a house to live in? Well, because you went to work. Okay, well, that makes sense. You know, I, I, I used to feel guilty that I had a beautiful home and a family that loved me and I had comforts and I had everything that I needed and it used to tear my heart out that these people were without some basic necessities and as the Lord launched me into a ministry uh, for the homeless, that's where it started over 14 years ago, and I heard their stories and I heard of the abuse and I heard of the neglect and I heard of the torment and the torture and I heard of the horrible situations of generation after generation that had been Im imputed on them from the time of birth and all of the things that, that made up their life to be the disaster that it was. My heart was wrenched. And I'll tell you, God has used people that are in distress to break my heart, that my heart would be one with the Father's heart for people that are in distress, all people, elderly people, children, Anybody that's in distress. And I know that this is what the Lord is doing in the church today of those that have an ear to hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying. And uh, it's a joy to come and share the Word of God with you today. And I had told Bethany what I was going to uh, preach on. And so she uh, encouraged me. She said, that sounds awesome. So I'm going to let her rip. Uh, the title of the message is Good News in a Bad News World. Duh. How many of you, 10 o'clock comes on, you're like, I ain't watching the news, I'm sick of hearing all the bad news. But the deal is this, as the church of Jesus Christ, we are the bearers of good news. But what happens is the culture has a way of overshadowing the good news that we have with the distress that we face in our everyday life of all kinds, even if it's not your personal distress. Your family may be in distress. There's distress all around you, maybe your neighbors. And so what happens is distress kind of is like a black cloud that lingers over you that tries to keep the sun, S-O-N, from shining through. And what happens is, is that we get so caught up in what's negative and wrong and out of order and all of the things that we need to be aware of, but what happens is we allow it to then come on us to put down and depress and oppress us. And so what I want to share with you today is some scripture verses that first we got to go down before you go up. That's what it said about Jesus. First, he descended to the lowest place before he ascended. Sometimes you got to go down to go up. Do you know in order to climb up higher to be able to see the Lord, uh, come up higher in things of the spirit, you first go down, humble yourself. The lower you go, the more God can bring you up. So going down is not a bad thing, but staying down is. When you feel the oppression or the depression or the sorrow or the sadness or the brokenness of somebody that you're walking with, that's not a bad thing. But if you stay there, that's a bad thing because it'll keep you from being effective to be able to help people up and out. Um, so we're going to look at some scripture verses today. And the first one we're going to look at is Ezekiel 21, verse 6 through 7. I don't know if it's going up or not, so I'll just go and, okay. Ezekiel 21, verse 6 through 7. Sigh, therefore, son of man, with a breaking heart, 
and sigh with bitterness before their eyes. And it shall be when they say to you, why are you sighing? That you shall answer, because of the news. When it comes, every heart will melt, all hands will be feeble, every spirit will faint, and all knees will be weak as water. Behold, it's coming and shall be brought to pass, says the Lord God. Now this was Ezekiel prophesying about Israel, but in our day and age, it applies to what we live in, in America and in our, in our time, in our season of life. We are living in the last days. I don't believe that we fully entered into it. We're on the very beginning edge of it, but we're heading into it. And so what happens is the Bible says in the last days that men's hearts will break and faint and they will die from the oppression that is going to come on the earth. So we haven't got there yet, but I'll tell you what, we are heading into. And you know what, the news in the last year, I think it was, not that I need to report it because you've probably all heard it. You know, people that are very much in the banking system, the financial system of this nation, have committed suicide. A lot of them have committed suicide because they know where we're going. They know a lot of people that are aware of where our nation is headed, even more than your average citizen, have become so faint heart they don't even want to live any longer. And that's the state of a lot of the realms of the political, of the financial, of all kinds of areas in our nation and the nations of the world. So we know that we're heading into it. Now, 1 Samuel 30, verse 6 says, now David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him. Persecution is coming on the earth. Persecution is coming to America at a theater near you. We have got to gear up the loins of our mind and we have got to prepare and we have got to have an answer to know how to speak in the hour. I love how in the scripture verse it does talk about in the book of Acts, take no thought for what you'll speak in the hour because the Holy Spirit will give you an answer in that hour. But it also says, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that doesn't need to be ashamed but rightly dividing the truth. So yes, you study, but you don't worry about what you're going to say in that moment. Yes, you pray, and then the Holy Spirit will motivate you to speak something in that moment. We're not to worry about it. We're to study to show ourselves approved. We're to do our part, and God's going to do his part. So he wants us to be ready. So in 1 Samuel, it says here that there were, they spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved. When people are grieved, they do things out of character. When people are panicky and people are fearful, they do things out of character. When people are hungry and they're starving, they do things out of character. When people feel threatened, and intimidated, they do things out of character. And so there are things that will be happening in the earth that will cause people to act out of character. I know many people, and when I say I can't give numbers, I mean, I've been doing this ministry that I do for 14 years, but I know many people, one man that was an alcoholic on hard liquor, he would, I don't know how much he consumed of vodka a day, but it was a ton. And I remember sitting hearing his story and saying, what brought your life to the place that you would do this to your body and live this lifestyle? How, how did this happen to you? He said, well, I was an educated man, had a wife, children, had a beautiful home. I was a fireman. And he said, tragedy hit my life. And I didn't have the ability to get through it. I caved in under it. 
and I started drinking every day, and I lost my marriage, I lost my relationship with my kids, I lost my house, I lost my job, I lost everything, and now I'm homeless. You know, we always think of people that are living on the street as, ah, oh, you're just a bum, and you like living like that, you just like freestyling. No, there's a lot of people that are living in situations that are beyond what they could manage, and grief has caused them to act out in ways that they would not normally act out in. So it says here that because of the soul of the people which was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. This is the difference. Distress is going to come. Difficulty is here. We're all going to have some form of challenge or suffering or pain in our lives. The Christian bleeds just like the non-believer. The Christian suffers just like the non-believer. The Bible says that the rain falls on the just and the unjust. And so God's blessing falls on sometimes the evil because the kindness of the Lord brings one to repentance. I don't know about you, but when I read the book of Job, which I used to be afraid of, and now I'm no longer afraid of, I realize that it's preparation for me to see the responses of Job in a time of great suffering and say, God, when I grow up, I want to be like Job. I want to not sin against God with my lips. I never want to curse him because if the Lord gives the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. I said, God, would you bring me to that point that whether I abase or whether I abound, that means whether I have nothing or whether I have everything, that my circumstances do not dictate how I respond to the Lord because of who he is, but I call my spirit and my body and my soul and my mind, my affections and my will to line up with who he is. And that's where we need to come as a church into that place that we know in whom we've believed and we are fully persuaded and that we do not move from what we believe because our circumstances look bad or because something was lost that we loved or someone was lost. And so we've got to come to the place that, just like it said about David, he was greatly distressed. And it says the people were going to stone him. Here's, here's the deal. When David says to his guys, he had a motley crew. They were all depressed, in debt, and despaired, and all the, you know, depressed and all that. That was his band of men. And so when David said to the guys, we're going to go out, we're going to fight. While they were out fighting, what happened is the enemy came around the back way, ravaged their families and their belongings, and raided the camp. And when the men came back, they were so upset with David. David, you led us out into battle, and look, while we were out there, look what happened to our families and our stuff. And they were getting ready to stone him. And the Bible says this, not one stood with him. Everybody was against him. And he said he encouraged himself in the Lord. How do you encourage yourself in the Lord? All right, soul, I know everything around me is going wrong. I know everybody is opposed. I know that what men has said against me. And I know, Father God, that in the name of Jesus, that I'm going to stand, not by might, not by power, but by your Holy Spirit. I am not going to let the report of man control and dictate to me, but I will let the report of the Lord determine the course and the direction for my life. And Lord, I bless those that persecute me and I let go and I shake it off in the name of Jesus. I will delight myself in the Lord always. And I will give him thanks in the midst of all things. And I speak to my soul and I say, rise up and be strong in the Lord in the power of his might. Do not look to the left, do not look to the right. Right. Do not look to the left or look to the right, but keep your eyes steadfast, fixed on him, the author and the finisher of your faith in the name of Jesus. That's what you do. And when the enemy comes in and says, you're a fool. What 
are you doing that for? That isn't doing any good. You say, I speak to the accuser of the brethren. I command you to get thee behind me, Satan. You have to fight. You have to. Many, many people that have come through our doors that are always looking for help. They're looking for food or looking for clothes or somebody to pay their rent or those kind of things. And I say, you know what? I can give you food, give you a fish. I can give you a coat, and I will. I could help you with your rent, maybe, sometimes, depending on our finances. But you know what the answer is? It's not the food and the clothes and the rent. The answer is set your heart right with the Lord. The answer is the one who is your help in a very present help in a time of need is the one that you need more than what you need that I have to give you. Oh, I'm all about that. Dad, I need that Jesus stuff. Okay, then. So I'll see you next week for another fish and another coat and another bill. Because you know what? You're going to go round and round and round the circle until there's a breakthrough in your life. And you know what? Nobody, absolutely nobody, not even God, will do the hard work that you have to do to get a breakthrough. Nobody. And so we have to get to the place like David that will strengthen ourselves in the Lord. God is a very present help, but we are the ones that have to reach out to him and declare his sovereignty, declare his word, declare his goodness over the circumstance. And you declare those things that are not as though they were. That's what being prophetic is. You know, a lot of people say, well, you know, my arm's in a cast, but it ain't broke. Bless God, I'm healed. Nope, your arm's in a cast, and it's broke. But praise the Lord, we're going to pray for healing. See, declaring those things that are not doesn't mean that you're ignorant to or denying the state that things are in. There's a difference between facts and truth. I remember 26 years old, first time I was up in an airplane, and it was a rainy, cloudy day. And, you know, I, I came from the camp of like, oh, it's raining today. I'm going to have a bad day. I'm depressed. That's the camp I came from. I was born in that camp. And, and when I became a Christian, rejoice to the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And I'm like, really? The sun's not shining. I don't feel like it. And so I was always motivated by what I felt like instead of what the truth was. And I remember going up in the airplane, 26 years old, my first flight. I was afraid of flying. And so I get up in the sky, and I'm like, oh, the sun's shining up here. Oh, I'm always saying the sun ain't out today. No, the sun is out every day. I just can't see it. And see, a lot of times what we do is we say, well, I can't see God. I can't feel God, so he must not care. Instead of saying, you know what, right now I'm under a black cloud, but I'm going to speak to that cloud, and I'm going to tell it to be removed because the sun is shining. He's for me. He's not against me. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We have to, we have to get to that place that we're confident and that we're bold in Christ and that we believe that what he said is true. And, you know, it's interesting how many people that call themselves a believer, but they don't really believe. I'm amazed. I say to somebody, okay, did God do something good for your life this week? Yes, he did. You want to testify on Sunday? No. Why not? I can't. What do you mean you can't? The Bible says you can do all things through Christ. No, you don't understand. I can't. Yes, you can. No, I can't. Okay, you can. Be it unto you according to your faith. But you can. You just refuse to. There's a big difference. I can't forgive. You don't understand my circumstance. Really? Jesus on the cross. Father, forgive them for they know not. Well, he was the son of God. He was very man, and he was very God. On the cross, he was very man. Suffering. Pain. Felt it. And he said, Father, forgive them. So Jesus says, you go and do likewise. Well, I can't. No, you won't. Let's call it what it is. It's not truth you can't. It's fact. You won't. 
See, there's a big difference between fact and truth. You know, I said to somebody that just recently, they said, man, I'm just so depressed and everything's going wrong and I don't know what to do. And I said, okay, that's all facts. You're depressed, everything's going wrong, you don't, that's a fact. Truth is, let's talk about truth now. Truth is, you make a decision to trust the Lord. Right now, you're not trusting him. So you make a decision to trust the Lord. You invite him into your mess and he's going to make a miracle. And that's the choice that we have. In the midst of difficulty, see, in the midst of what the bad report is, we have got to declare what the good report is. But that doesn't mean that you're ignorant to the bad report. I love the 12 spies that went out. I love all 12 of them. But two of them came back with a good report. But they didn't negate the fact there were giants. They said, oh, yeah, there's giants in the land, but God. And that's the difference, but God. So here's where the church has been. And when I say the church, I don't mean Hilltop or CCF. I don't, I'm not talking about a specific congregation. I'm talking about the church at large. Here's where the church has been. Jesus, come quick. Get us out of here. I, I just don't want to go through it, Lord. I don't think I have faith. I'm sure I'm going to be one of those that deny you. Yeah, so <laughs> can, you, can you come really quick? I don't like to suffer. And then we, got, then we got the people over in this camp. Bring it on. Come on. I'm ready. And, and somewhere, and I don't want to go out fighting people. I don't want to be, like, aggressive. I want to be assertive. I don't want to be defensive, and I don't want to be aggressive. I want to be assertive. I want to, I want to be so certain of who he is and where I'm going that regardless of which camp is trying to drag me into being, you know, let's fight them, let's do this, let's do that, be aggressive. I, I want for the Lord to do a work in us that we walk in peace. We walk in joy. We walk in righteousness. We don't walk according to men's ways. The wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. You can't win a war of hate with hate. You have to win the war of fear with love. You can't overcome fear without love. Loving God and loving people. So we've got to press in more of God. Isaiah 35, verse 3 through 4 says, Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are fearful-hearted, Be strong and do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance and with recompense of God. And he will come and he will save you. So, we have got to strengthen the feeble hands. If I had a $10 bill for every person that comes through my church and says, man, the last church I was in, I gave, I served, and I'm all done. Oh, good. You found me after you're all done. Awesome. So excited. <laughs> but what I realized is I was given a prophetic word many years ago. and said, not only will you touch the poor in the streets, but those that have been burnt out by the church, those that have been a neglected, abused, misused by the church. So God is sending me people that have been misused and abused by church and people that have been misused and abused by culture. And what God wants to do is he wants to use us to restore people. He wants for people to be strengthened once again. You know, I love the story of Peter and how he said to Jesus, Jesus, I'll die for you. And Jesus like, really, Pete, let me tell you a story. <laughs> Oh, the cock crows three times, you're, you're out of here. And Peter's like, no way, Lord. I know myself better than you, my God. And so, but the end of the story is this. Not the end of the story, but the rest of the story is this. Jesus picks Peter to preach on the day of Pentecost. That jamoke, how many of you would have picked Peter? And sorry, Pete, when I get there, I'll, I'll make it right. But in your brain, is that the one you'd pick? The one that denied you in front of a little handmaiden in front of a coal fire? The one that wouldn't even listen to you when you tried to tell him what was in his own heart? Would you have picked that guy? I certainly wouldn't. Wouldn't pick him for nothing. 
Never mind the one that's going to preach on the day of Pentecost. But that's what God does. He picks the ones that fail. How many of you, don't show your hands, how many of you in this room have failed? You qualify. Isn't that good? You've been weak. You've been faint-hearted. You say, I haven't got what it takes. I, don't, I can't witness at my job. I can't witness at my school. I I'm ashamed. I'm intimidated. I'm fearful. Here's Peter. Saw all the miracles, all the signs and wonders. Saw it all. And yet he stood there and he denied who Christ was to this little handmaiden because he was petrified. Listen, God understands. And he wants to strengthen our weak hands and he wants to make firm our feeble knees. 1 Kings 20. It's a little lengthy, but it's worth it. I'm going to read it. 1 Kings 20, verse 22 through 31. Do I need to give you time to get there? See, at my church, we put everything up because nobody brings a Bible because they don't own one. <laughs> no, sorry. That's really not very funny, so I shouldn't have laughed. But anyway, it is what it is. <laughs> um, so 1 Kings 20, verse 22 through 29. 1 Kings 20, 22 through 20, uh, 31. Did I? I'm all messed up. So anyway, and the prophet came to the king of Israel and said to him, Go strengthen yourself. Take note. And see what you should do. For in the spring of the year, the king of Assyria will come up against you. Here's a warning. Prepare yourself. Trim your lamp. Fill your lamp. Gird up the loins of your mind. Deposit in you what you need to so in that hour you can stand. This is the hour. This is the hour that we are preparing. I love the verse that says, if you have run with footmen, how are you going to survive the horses? How are you going to survive what's coming? If you can't even survive a little offense right now, you can't survive a little bit of difficulty right now. I have a friend who's a missionary in Israel, and she just spoke at my church uh, last Sunday, telling me the stories of the horror and what's going on in Israel and the people that she loves. I've been to Israel. I've been to her ministry. The people that I met, knowing what the people are going through, hearing the stories firsthand of what people live under. See, we think it's tough living in America. I love what Heidi Baker says. Give me Africa any day with the witchcraft. America is so far removed from God. America, but we have everything. We have everything, but we have nothing. And in third world countries, they have nothing, but they have everything in Christ. And that's the, the, what the Lord wants to prepare us as a church in America is that we are ready. We take good notes. We strengthen ourselves, and we're ready to face the battle. Verse 23, then the servants of the king of Assyria said to him, their gods are gods of the hills. So this is what Assyria army was saying about the children of Israel. Their gods are the gods of the hills. Therefore, they were stronger than we, but if we fight against them in the plain, surely we will be stronger than they. So do this thing, dismiss the kings, each one from his position, and put captains in their places, and you shall muster an army like the army that you have lost, horse for horse and chariot for chariot. Then we will fight against them in the plain. Surely we will be stronger than they. And he listened to their voice and did so. So it was in the spring of the year that Ben-Hadad mustered the Syrians and went up to Aphek to fight against Israel. And the children of Israel were mustered and given provisions, and they went against them. Now the children of Israel encamped before them like two little flocks of goats, while the Syrians filled the countryside. They were ridiculously outnumbered. 
ridiculously. God loves ridiculous. He does. When people say it's impossible, can't happen. Yeah, well, what's impossible with men is not impossible with God. I love Gideon. He said, he's got 30,000 men in his army. And the Lord says, bring them down to the water. And everybody that drinks wrong, send them home. Then the second test is everybody that's afraid, see ya. And so he ends up with 300 people. The Lord says, now you're ready to fight. Really? I liked it better when the numbers were 30,000. What do you mean 300? I got enough to fight because the Lord's on your side. See, and here's the deal. The Syrian army said, they, the Syrians said, they have a God who lives in the hills. If we draw them out of the hills into the plain, or, or we'll read a little further, it says into the valley, we can beat them. You know why? Because their God's up in the hill. Their God is not in the valley. I'm going somewhere. Remember that. So they mustered up the children of Israel. And verse 28, then a man of God came and spoke to the king of Israel and said, thus says the Lord, because the Syrians have said, the Lord is God of the hills, but he is not God of the valleys. Therefore, I will deliver all this great multitude into your hand, and you shall know that I am the Lord. And they camped opposite of each other for seven days. So it was on the seventh day, the battle joined, was joined, and the children of Israel killed 100,000 foot soldiers of the Syrians in one day, but the rest fled to Aphek into the city, and there a wall fell on 27,000 of the men who were left. Isn't that just like God? I'll take care of it with your little flock. So here's the thing. This is what they said. God is the God of the hills in the high place. We draw the children of Israel out of the hills into the low place, into the valley. And you know what they do in the valley? They murmur. They complain. They get all bent out of shape. God's not with us in the valley. I want to be up on the mountaintop. I want to be on that high place. I don't like the valley. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. We have got to get to the point where whether we're in the valley or the mountaintop, that our response to the Lord is the same. Blessed be your name on the mountaintop, Lord. This is awesome. You're awesome, God. You're in the valley and you're going, hmm, I thought he was for me. I thought he was with me. I'm not feeling it. And maybe he's gone. Maybe he's asleep. Maybe he doesn't know What's going on in my life? Maybe he left me. Maybe I'm all alone. Those are things that go through people's minds. But he is the God of the mountains, and he is the God of the valley. And he knows all things. And when he allows us to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, because he wants for the word of the Lord that's in us to be purified in the furnace of the earth. He wants us to be purified to know that the revelation that we got on the mountaintop is a reality as we walk through the valley. See, what we get when we're high in the Lord is not necessarily going to stick with us until we walk through the valley and we test what we got on the mountain. Then it becomes our testimony. See? That test gives you a testimony. But some people get so upset at the test, all they do is moany. <laughs> but we have got... It's true. I remember sitting at a baseball game when my kids were little with another Christian and surrounded by unbelievers and sitting at this, my son's baseball game and this woman going, you know, well, the Lord said he'd take care of this and he'd take care of that. Well, my babies need shoes and this and I, this bill needs to be paid. And I don't know where the Lord is when I'm in, and I'm looking around and all these unbelievers and I'm like, oh, snap, this is not good. <laughs> 
And I said, well, you know, he, his promises are true. Yeah, well, maybe for you they are. And this is the conversation going on between a Christian that goes to my church. I wanted to say, she goes to my church, but I don't think she's a believer. She's not believing the Lord right now. <laughs> and it's just difficult. Think about what we converse about, especially in public places. It's interesting to me how often that I'm in a public place and the Lord has, like, opened my eyes to see to see how we respond, to see how we interact, to see how we communicate with one another, to, to, to realize that people sitting next to us in the booth behind us is hearing what we dialogue about. And are they hearing that God is faithful, God is good, even in the middle of what I'm going through? Or do they hear us say, I'm without hope. I have no direction. I don't know what to do. Now, that's a reality sometimes for us. But the truth is, is that what we need to be mindful of is present to the moment and realize who's around us and how are we sounding to them because they don't understand. They don't know this God that we claim to know. They don't know he's the God of hope as we start talking about how hopeless we feel. See, it's making a choice to live in truth or to live in facts. So here's the closing verse I want to share with you is 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3, 1 through 18. Beloved, I now write to you this second epistle in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lust and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willfully forget, that by the word of the heavens, excuse me, but by the word of the, he, the uh, they willfully forget that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water and in the water, by which the world then, that then existed, perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack. The Lord is not slack. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise. As some count slackness. But is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God? Of because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and new earth in which righteousness dwells. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace, without spot and blameless, and consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him, has written to you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, 
which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they do the rest of the scriptures. You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware, lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory, both now and forever. Amen. I'm going to show a video, and it's called, What I Know That We All Have Things That We Face. But my prayer for us today, and I'm going to invite you to join me in this prayer, is God, can we move out of the past and stop being worried about the future to be able to be present to the moment? There are people around us that need to know that he is God and that he does care. If we can move beyond our emotions and move beyond what we do or don't have or how we do or don't feel into truth and begin to see those that God puts around us. I'm not pointing fingers. I've been out in the streets for 14 years with broken people and I'm still learning. I'm still pursuing the heart of the Lord. I haven't arrived. I had a day off, this is not too long ago, and I remember going to the Verizon store and I needed to get my phone taken care of and the waiting line was like 45 minutes. By the time I got seen and got the problem taken care of, it was a whole hour and a half. And I sat there running over in my mind all the things I had to do that day. And this young man that was working on my phone, I thought he was busy so I was being quiet. He said, so what's ahead for your day today? I said, oh, man, I got a mile-long list of all the things I got to do. And then there was silence. He said, well, it's a nice day out today, isn't it? I said, yeah, I wish I was out in it. <laughs> and as I walked out the Verizon store an hour and a half later, I said, wow, I blew it, didn't I? I had an opportunity there, and I blew it. And you know why I blew it? I wasn't present to the moment. I was off somewhere thinking about all I needed to do. I wasn't present to the moment. So I'm going to invite you, if you'd like to pray with me, if you'd like to actually get up out of your seat and join me, I'd love to have you come and join me. I've been in ministry for 35 years, and I'm still learning to be present to the moment. I'm still learning. I'm still growing. I still miss it. But I won't live in the failure of my past because I know he loves me. And I know that he gives me opportunity after opportunity. So I stay low in a place of humility, acknowledging my weakness and my need for more of him. Life is so demanding, and the voices in this life press out the voice of our Father. There's so much noise, so much clamor. I invite you to pray with me, Heavenly Father. I want to be present to the moment. I don't want to live in my past anymore, and I don't want to live in the fear of the future. I want to be present to the moment. 
your presence is present. I want to be present to your presence. I want my heart to be touched by the power of your Holy Spirit to move beyond where I've been and to run after you and to extend my heart and hand to those around me. Lord, help me to break out of the past and step forward into my destiny. That I would no longer be a hearer of the word, but I would be a doer. That I would go into all the world, into the grocery store, into the streets, wherever you send me, and be present. Take the time. Look around me. Look into the eyes and the faces of the people that pass me by. Words of knowledge, words of wisdom, discerning of spirits, prophecy, signs and wonders, miracles. I call it forth in the name of Jesus. Let the power be demonstrated and let the love flow in the name of Jesus. Amen.